Welcome to the Full Dive Gaming Podcast, bringing you a full dive of all the news, discussion, and insights you need for virtual reality gaming. This podcast is brought to you by Asterian Products, a top-selling company on Amazon. They make all kinds of AR accessories, VR accessories, and I'm kind of teasing one off in the corner here without trying to show too much. I'm Jay Bratt. I'm a VR YouTuber and streamer. I'm Matt Bratt, a VR enthusiast who wants to frolic in a VR field. And I'm Lipnox VR Quest YouTuber who gives you all kinds of greatness. All that quest to greatness and love. We're here to keep you up to date in the VR realm. We answer questions from our communities, a lot of them this week, actually. Uh, we tell you about the latest and greatest VR news, and then we discuss games. But this week, I actually got to go to CES and try the new PSVR 2. So we'll also have a brief discussion section at the end of the podcast where everybody can ask me questions about the PSVR 2 and kind of answer your questions going forward. Speaking of questions, what have we got? Nat, do you want to take our first question from Ing? Sure. So Ing asks, I don't know if it's been done, but was Bone Lab over or under hyped? For this question, I mean, I think it's uh, it's there's two answers. If you are a PC VR player who's already played Boneworks, it's definitely an overhyped game. If you are a Quest 2 user that wants a game that has physics like this and graphics like this, there's no way that it's not like I wouldn't say under hype, but it's it satisfied everything that I wanted it to. And, and I love it. Even if someone has PC VR, I think it's a fantastic game. The modding community has just gone completely wild in the past couple months. So definitely a worthy title if you only have a quest to. Now, I'm going to I'm going to contrast that a little bit, but hear me out as to why. I will say the game was overhyped even on the quest too, but that's because there was videos on YouTube that were like, this is the second coming. This is going to change the world. Every VR headset is going to be in every home. Like, no. No game has that potential no matter how good the game is. Bone Lab is an amazing example of what a quest can do or what physics can do it's a game that everyone should at least play i would say once just to understand where vr is going and what it has in it but man the freaking hype build up by some channels and stuff that when it was coming up it was like okay this is gonna be a great game but take it easy here the freaking thumbnails and the titles of all the videos are like this is gonna change the world forever it's 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 had an impact on vr but it was overhyped in that fashion to me i would say though yeah like Lipnock said, you, you got to have this game, especially if you're on Quest. If you're on PC, it might not be as much of a must-buy title, but I still think to see the progression from Boneworks, to see what's changed, and to see where this studio will probably continue going, it's worth having and owning, but not every person out there is going to be compelled to play this game all the way through. Some people will find the physics are actually a bit much. They can tire you out. They can make the game a little tedious to play, but it is really interesting just to see, wow, I, I had to lift myself up. I got to grab and like feel like I'm using real strength to lift myself up onto a counter. There's a lot of good examples in this game, but sometimes the VR community, we get a little too excited and we go a little too crazy over a game. It's not going to be one game that gets us completely mainstream. It's going to be a pattern of good games and good headsets coming out at better prices. I, I think I think it's realistically like every single game that gets hyped up in any way for VR just seems like it doesn't doesn't hit that mark that everyone wants. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if you heard the the controversy over this new racing game that just came out, but grid <laughs> that's so much hype online, and then just everyone second it drops. What is this? This isn't what I wanted. So it's it's it, it, there's a lot of disappointing games that come out and. I mean, even we just had Walking Dead 2, Saints and Sitters 2. It's disappointments, disappointments, not living up to the hype for a lot of people. So, 
we just all get too excited. Yeah, def- okay. definitely. Which I mean, with with VR, it's hard not to get excited. Mm-hmm. But. So true. We got another question from Jammy Rex asking, which convention or expos are you most looking forward to in 2023 that relate to VR? I know CES is all the hype, but what else? Are there any cons or expos you'd say a non-professional enthusiast has never been to would be worth going? Now, obviously, we just went to CES and came back, and that was a big deal because at CES, it's one of the biggest consumer electronics trade shows out there, and you can try all kinds of future VR tech that isn't even on the market, may not ever make it to the market, prototypes, it's really cool. That said, I somebody asked me about GDC, the Gamers Development Conference in March, and if, and if we were going to go. Now, that's obviously a huge gaming development conference that's not just VR, but I met some people from the Augmented World Expo. And that seems to be the most VR specific expo that is starting to come up in the world that people go to from VR. And that one I think would be interesting to go to. I'm hoping to get to that this year because it's very VR AR specific. But I would say if you're actually, if you're involved in the tech industry in some way, shape or form, and you can go to CES because they only let you in if you're part of the industry, no matter who you are, you're going to find something interesting there. I mean, there was electric cars, there was tractors, (laughs) there was VR, there was gaming, there was everything there, you know, phones, Samsung, Google, no matter who you are, you're going to find something in tech that's interesting to go to if you can get in the door. But I think the Augmented World Expo is what I'm really hoping to get to this year and see what it's like. Lip, have you ever been to an export convention you're hoping to? So funny enough, uh, I haven't been to one in a long time, but the the last one that I went to, there's, there's a video game swap thing that I usually go to every year, but the last like full proper convention I went to was Fan Expo. And I went to this so long ago the playstation vr was just being shown off it, it still had its code name it was, it was it morpheus is that right uh but uh anyways i played the the kitchen demo which wasn't even said to be resident evil yet and i waited three hours in line and it was mm-hmm. worth every second of waiting in line just to play that and as soon as I, as soon as i finished i was like i want to go stand back in line again <laughs> another <laughs> round I'll, yeah i'll go I'll, I'll i'll go and stand three hours in line to get another 60 seconds of vr again and uh I mean, I, I think that you have to go to one of these things to really see what the hype is. And I, I think I think that if you go to one of these things and you get to try out these new headsets, it's, you know, it, it's something that you're going to, you know, it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And the other huge benefit is you see YouTubers that are just wandering around the convention. You can take pictures with, you can do whatever. So I, I think that for, for me... You know, I would love to go to more of these events. Uh, you know, being in Canada, it's a little bit harder to go to some of the bigger ones like CES and stuff. But if you can get to them, they're they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be harder in Canada if you're in America, especially if you're near LA. You're going to be able to go just drive to a lot of these conventions. A lot of yeah. them happen around there. Now, what are you looking forward to this year? Well, I don't know if I'll be able to go on any conventions because I don't get to have time off at work until mid-May. But last year we went to an amazement and that was super fun. So that would be exciting. I don't really know what else, but that would be cool. An amazement was awesome. Round two. Let's hope so. So our next question is from Chili's94 and it says, will there ever be a gaming with the community night in VR? And, uh, I think I think if anyone's going to head that off, it'd be Jay. But uh, I mean, if anyone wants to play with me, welcome to welcome to ask me. We can schedule something fun. Maybe do some Among Us or hop into whatever VR chat rec room. Um, I don't know what the multiplayer games everyone's loving these days are. I know Contractors is pretty popular, so 
hey, if you if you want to drag me into one of these things, I'm happy to come. Yeah, yeah. Jlubnox also has a Discord. If you're not over there, you should head over there. But on our full dive Discord, we used to do a lot more of these things have gotten busy, but I would like to get to doing them again, especially with the full dive Discord, because we have a lot of long term members who have been there. It's not a huge Discord, so it's a little easier sometimes to like get together a small group to go play paintball in Rec Room or something. Yeah. I would really like to get back because it's really fun. We had a little one just a couple weeks ago. It was like really impromptu. I grabbed some people from the JBrad Discord. I was like, hey, I need to film some stuff, so let's just go play games. And I'll film it while we're at it. Two birds with one stone. And it reminded me how fun paintball and laser tag, all that can be with the community. So yeah, I would love to get back on that. Another question from Chili's. Have you ever met anyone in VR that you ended up meeting in real life? And this has actually become definitely relevant. I mean, even just last week, we went to CES and you might know him as Assassin32 on the Discord, aka Lee, who actually only lives like 45 minutes from me, went to CES also, but to help Kiwi out with their booth. So we ended up meeting there, hanging out. He went to a bunch of the events with us and stuff too. We had a whole bunch of fun. I mean, a year before that, or a year and a half before that, we had that Texas trip that we went on and we met a bunch of people from Discord that we'd hung out with and stuff before too online. So it's always awesome to get to meet people in real life and just get to kind of kind of have some fun you know not in a headset and not in a vr game it's nice to change it but then of course in texas we went and then we vr games together so it was kind of a kind of a funny thing to do but i absolutely love meeting people in real life that we've hung out with online because it's just always such a nice moment and it's you know vr does a lot it's really amazing to hang out with people but there's always just some little extra to actually seeing someone face to face for the first time it's it's fun but it can be a little bit of a trip too it was really cool in Texas, too, because we met um, some of our full dive hosts in real life, Adam and Dollface Destiny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was really cool. It's so funny, though, because it's like you already feel like you've met them in real life because you've talked to them so much. And back then, that was when we used to only film the podcast in VR. So we had not really seen like their actual faces much either. So it was even more like, whoa, like you're a real person. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I've not met anyone uh, in real life that I met in VR that I didn't already I hadn't already met in real life prior to that. But even like you said, just, you know, doing a, a video call with someone that you've been playing online and only ever seen their avatar or only ever seen their you know, VR characters, you know, you get to see their face and suddenly you're like, whoa, here's a, it almost like confuses your mind because you're like, oh, I, I always see you as this person. Now you're this person. <laughs> right. So I can definitely, I can definitely see how that would be, you know, a cool, cool experience. It's kind of weird because it's like you're used to hearing their voice from their avatar. And then you're like, this voice is coming from a different looking, I mean, like Adam and Destiny's avatars looked very pretty similar to them but it's just still like wait this doesn't seem right it like takes a little while like you said to adjust like okay this is actually what they look like yeah <laughs> i remember we were sitting at whataburger and i was sitting across from adam and my my eyes almost didn't want to keep making eye contact with him because it was easier to like be looking at something else and hear him talking than to be looking directly at his face <laughs> and thinking this mouth is coming out of that face which is not what i'm used to <laughs> but you adjust you adjust pretty quickly and you get past it but it's definitely a weird moment if you've only used avatars and haven't even done video calls that it's like mm -hmm. whoa yeah. you're 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 not an avatar anymore you're not avatar you're a person <laughs> we have another question from chili's 94 do you have a favorite member in the discord and also says full disclosure this goes under the silly questions lmao 
So <laughs> I would say our favorite members are always those that interact with us the most on the discord. <laughs> so if you want to be our favorite, just get on the discord and send those Q and a questions and chat with us. Yeah. My, my favorite people are the people are the ones that answer or ask all the good questions. So I, I super love all the questions. So uh, that would, those would be my favorite. I can't, I uh, can't pick out anyone specifically, but the next question I'm asking was a pretty good question. So that right now he might be my favorite. <laughs> oh, oh, you're about to, about to disclose the favorite. I got to say for me, I mean, I don't want to play favorites, but I would think between shave dog and play PSVR, like their banter that goes mm, back and forth. Yeah. I always find them really entertaining <laughs> and they always ask some of the most ridiculous questions, but they put a smile on my face. So I enjoy that, but I just love that we have people that want to chat and stuff on the discord and I can go there and be like, Hey, we need questions or give us an idea. And people are always going to respond and tell us what's going on. So yeah, I really love it. But Lip, I want to find out who your favorite is. So what, what is this question? So ad- admittedly, I don't hugely recognize the name normally, but I've been, I, I always check the discord. I, I'm, I'm like, Oh, we got questions. I'm going to check what these are. I'm going to plan for these questions. I get so excited about them. And El Diego has been using my trick where you take out the facial interface on the Quest 2 so you can just have it floating in your in your face. And he's using the Bobo VR headset to do this. And uh, basically, he's been doing it with virtual desktop, playing like 2D games through virtual desktop, because I guess he can you look down and see all the things. And he wants to know what other kinds of tricks like this I might have. And the first thing I'll say is if you use an IR illuminator, you can literally play in the dark. So this whole light bleed thing with taking out the facial interface is no longer an issue. So if you're already doing that, I think that's a huge win thing. Uh, but I, w- I kind of wanted to mention these. I've got these. Uh, they're like head. It's like a head strap thing. And I use this with the same method of the no facial interface thing because it basically creates the baseball cap thing. And it gives the Bobo VR or the Halo VR headsets that extra bit of just secureness on my head. But the same company, it's it's called Studio Form. They're hardly, I never see anyone talk about them anymore. But back in the day, they used to be a big name. But they created these metal like weight things that you attach to the back of the Halo straps to add extra weight to them. And I know Bobo VR has the battery bank thing that basically does the same thing. But... Uh, these these things they they just latch onto the back of the halo strap thing and add extra weight back here which again if you're not weighing a facial interface it just makes that whole setup all the better so you can play more action type of games i mean you really don't want to be jumping anywhere with these without having a facial interface in i'm not <laughs> playing supernatural with this method but if, if you you know i've played bone lab i've played like every game i play i play without a facial interface so this is how i'm doing it fully without you know messing around with it and uh you know what, you can you can use any other kind of thing. You can literally use a scarf and tie batteries to the back of your headset to weigh it back down. But I really think that having something up here at the top just adds so much more secureness. It makes it just a way comfier headset experience if you're not using that facial interface. Yeah, we uh, it's funny you mentioned Supernatural because we actually made a transition this week ourselves with headset. Nat, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we have been, we've moved to using the Pro, the Quest Pro for playing Supernatural. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, we play Supernatural, which is a fitness game all the time, almost, well, almost every day for me, every day for Jay. And it's been super nice because it, I think it gets kind of the same feel as with the Quest 2 not having the facial interface because there's space 
between your face and the headset. And it also covers less of your face, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to clean the the parts that do touch like your face and the back of your head, which is nice because we, you know, pass around between us and other people. And so it's nice to be able to very easily clean it and know that it's not full of someone else's sweat. And it also just feels, it feels nice and light. We had like all this stuff on the Quest 2 because we know, you know, the Quest 2 needs some stuff, some accessories to make it more comfy and um, have better audio. And then you have like the fan. So your lenses aren't getting fogged up. But when you have that space in between, you don't have to have the fan because there's, it's not fogging because it's not just like sucked into your face. So that has been definitely a much better experience for working out in the headset. Yeah, it's been huge. And obviously the Quest Pro is 1500 bucks. I still wouldn't say go buy one <laughs> for this. That's way too much money, but it is doing a lot of the same things Lip Knox is talking yeah. about here. You get rid of that facial interface. You have the lenses floating out in front of your eyes, but you have some peripheral space. Mm-hmm. So if you're swinging your arms, you can see if you're going to hit something. You don't need a fan to unfog anymore. You're a lot cooler, a lot less area of your head is covered. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things kind of lead to me thinking that the whole no facial interface thing might actually be the future. Yeah. to a degree in VR, which is kind of shocking. But I think if they can nail it to where you have like an even wider field of view and it's really there, but you still have a little bit of peripheral vision, I think that more people would be surprised trying it, how well that actually works. Mm-hmm. I, I think that design is basically how the PSVR 1 pretty much is. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hug your face. Right. It's like a rubber cover thing. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was the best design. And I'm just like, this, 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 is, this is where, in a way, PlayStation always just, Kills it for VR yeah. because it, the PSVR one is so comfy. Mm-hmm. I feel like even the downgrade of the wires and all these tracking things, I, I sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to play Quest. I want to play PSVR because I know I'm going to put that headset on. I'm going to be able to play for 12 hours straight and feel perfectly fine the entire time. Right. Yeah. There's so many pluses to PSVR. And I, I'm anyway, that's getting into something else. But yeah, for sure. And <laughs> also I saw El Diego said at the end of his question, P.S. Keep killing it, guys. So that's cool. I just wanted to call that out. With a heart and fire beside it. So so Whoa. nice. <laughs> this, this, this is why he's my favorite, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New favorite. We've got a lot more Q&A questions, but we've got a lot more podcasts. We're going to have to save a couple for the next round and take you right into the news section this week. Before we get into the news, we've got to tell you about our sponsor of the podcast. They've supported us practically since the very beginning. Asterian Products, they make VR headset stands. If you're really ambitious, you could go find this thing sitting on my desk. It hasn't been fully announced yet, but it is out there in the internet. If you do find it on Amazon, you want to get 10% off on one. Use code FULLDIVE10 to save yourself 10%. Now, Lipnox, remind me, you have a Quest 1, don't you? And a Quest 2? Oh, yeah. So yeah. you probably got an email this week from Meta saying, guess what? It's time for us to discontinue support to the Quest 1. Now, a lot of people initially thought this meant their headset was going to be worthless. It was going to be bricked. This does mean that as soon as March 5th, you are going to lose the ability to create audio parties. So that's what a lot of people use to then have in voice chat inside of games, but through the actual Oculus headset. And then you will still get critical bug fixes and software updates until the end of 2024. But a lot of people thought this was kind of early because their email even says it's been four years and it's time like it hasn't even been out for four years. They announced it a little over four years ago. So this did seem sudden, but the original Oculus Rift lost support years ago. People still use it. So it doesn't mean you can't play games. It just makes it harder to play multiplayer games and like Facebook Horizon Meta Horizons itself is going to quit letting you play it. 
on March 5th as well. Lip, as a Quest 1 owner, how do you feel? Uh, I feel like I, uh, I I just procrastinated on, I'm going to sell the Quest 1 forever. And now oh, it's no. to the point where I'm like, ah, this thing's not worth anything. I'm just keeping it forever now. It's just, this is going to live there. It's going to be a closet thing. The, the, the thing is, is the, the Quest 1 is a great system. It's still a great VR headset. And you can totally still sideload things. You can do all the PC VR things on it. Like some people prefer the screen compared to the Quest 2 because it's, I think it's OLED for uh, Quest 1. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, at the same time, too, this is just putting the headset in more people's hands because it's, it's going to be cheaper. You're going to go on Facebook Marketplace and maybe you're going to see Quest 1 for 150 bucks American, maybe 200 bucks max. And I think for someone that is curious about VR but doesn't want to invest this higher price point of the $500 headsets. Well, there you go. Here's your here's your solution. You can jump in now, cheap price. And I mean, honestly, the meta horizon to me is no loss. And if you're not planning on doing the parties, really no loss. You're pretty much already not getting proper experiences with any of the new games anyways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, all the opportunity to still enjoy the headset and still do things on the headset exists. And again, you know, PC VR, AirLink or virtual desktop, you can still do everything. So it's it, it's it's like okay it sucks that they're not going to support it in that manner but at the same time you know i the only the only the only thing that i find weird about this is i would have hoped that it would be okay we're announcing the quest 3 release date and we're pulling back on quest 1 but the fact that we haven't even gotten to the quest 3 area yet and they're already sort of killing it it just kind of makes me feel like maybe they should have timed it better so that people weren't going to be as upset. But either way, I mean, the Quest 1 is still perfectly usable as a headset. And if you are a gamer that just wants to play games on your headset, you know, there's there's an there's a ton of value on that headset. I'm not upset. I'm upset. I'm upset that I didn't get didn't. I'm upset that I didn't immediately sell my Quest 1 as soon as I got a Quest 2. I've just gotten... <laughs> 75% of the, the price of the Quest 2 right back in my pocket and be richer. But hey, you learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Meta always just makes kind of odd decisions and they have odd timing for what they're doing. One thing that I thought was really nice is that there's some developers that are like, you know what? We're going to make sure that they're, that you're, Quest One still works in our game. Mini golf. Walk around mini golf. They posted on Twitter that, hey, we are still going to support multiplayer for Quest One. No worries. So I thought that was really nice that some developers are doing that to make sure that people are still included um, in their games. And Walk Around Mini Golf is a great one. So that's that's really good to hear that they're supporting Quest One still. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good to point out too, that this doesn't mean every multiplayer game will stop working. But the thing is, some people on Oculus, they use the party system, which basically a party system, two friends join into the same audio to where they can hear each other talk. And whether they are in VR chat or they jump to Rec Room or walk about mini golf, they can always hear each other talking. But those games like Rec Room, it has its own servers, its own in-game audio. So even if you can no longer do a party, you can still get into Rec Room together and still talk to each other. You're not completely shut out, but it's now in the developer hands how this is going to happen i think the one thing that i kind of want to close this out with reminding people though is like this if this feels a little bad to you or feels a little annoying like and the if you've owned a quest one from the start you've you felt the disrespect kind of from meta all along like you bought that thing at 400 bucks and one year later the quest 2 which was they you know said was an improvement better everything came out for a hundred dollars less 
than the quest one was. And now that is continuing. So like you, you've gotten a little used to the punishment. It's kind of par for the course. I wish that we would see that change with meta, but this is just like one more punch from them for like being an early adopter of their tech. So it's something that I've always been critical of and annoyed by their actions. And here we go again. So I'm not shocked. It was it was literally two months after I bought my Quest One for full price that they announced the Quest Two. Oh my god! Just and I was like, I was like, you gotta be so kidding me! You got to be kidding me! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that close so that it could right. happen. So yeah. it's it's frustrating, but maybe maybe the Quest Two has a brighter future. Maybe Quest Three. Nat, what what might be coming to Quest Two this year? So this is something possibly exciting. Roblox VR <laughs> might be coming to Quest 2. Meta declined to comment, but The Verge reported this on their weekly newsletter. This has been a rumor for a long time, but it really seems more possible than ever with all the things that have been coming out. So hopefully we'll see this. It's kind of hilarious that Meta declined to comment. That kind of makes me think that it is coming because otherwise you'd think they would just say a no. So. What do you guys think? I mean, for, for me, I tried to get the Roblox VR to work on the PC VR thing, and I can't get that option to checkmark to even show up for me. So if this lets me fulfill the promise to the kids to let them play Roblox VR, then it's a win for me because I feel guilty that I hyped them up for it and then couldn't couldn't deliver. Uh, that being said, I mean, I you, if you look online at all the different Roblox VR things, there's really not that much that's that impressive to get overly excited about. So I think by, you know, bringing it to Quest 2, it could really inspire developers to make actually cool Roblox VR apps that we can mess around with. Uh, I still, I'm a little bit, it's a little bit of a question mark to me because of the fact that I really see Roblox as having a much younger audience overall. And it's, it's a little bit scary putting kids into, you know, social VR games that the parents can't see what's going on on the screen. That's a different. That's a, that's a whole other topic, though. I would just say that I'm excited. I want to check it out. I hope that this is completely true, and uh, I hope that I can I can give the kids what they what they want and play some Roblox and VR. I think that Meta may have declined to comment because this is a tricky game. They have to toe a careful line here with them. Gorilla Tag came out and it was new. It was VR only. It was on App Lab. It wasn't on their main store. And so they were able to kind of let it slide that like this became if you were five to eight years old, this was your game. And Meta has all along said VR is not for people under the age of 13. Roblox is one of those games that is known like clearly there is no joking about the fact that this is a game millions of children are in just tons. So for Meta to be like, really? Oh, yeah, Roblox is here for people 13 and up. Like they kind of have to be careful how they how they announce this, because obviously they want kids to have their headsets. They want to make money on everybody. That's where a lot of the money is at. But they have to keep this. Oh, well, we're not really shoveling this out to kids. We're not advertising to kids. But hey, we have Roblox. So I think it's tricky. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes. And I played the at least one of the Roblox games once where you're like, you're big, but you then regular flat screen players are little going through these mazes and you can help or hinder them. And it was fun. I don't really know what Roblox would bring that Rec Room doesn't have, but I'd be interested to see because there's just so much and so many people that this really might get a lot of headsets out there beyond that. I, so You know, it's really interesting that you 
mention this because I I was I feel like it's interesting to see like the commercials for Gorilla Tag because it even in the commercials there's like kind of young kids I'm like are those kids the age that are supposed to be for playing <laughs> VR and we all know like there's a lot of kids under 13 that are doing VR Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just really interesting. And man, I I know we have tons of ads that are targeted towards children. That's how a lot of companies make a lot of their money. But it really bothers me. Like, why do we have, we shouldn't have ads. Oh, I'm going to get on my soapbox just for a little bit. We should not have <laughs> ads that are targeted toward children. They're children. Like, they're not... Uh, there it's a lot easier to get into their heads and manipulate them into wanting these things and really young children can't even tell the difference between like a show and an ad and so it's really messed up that we have all these things that are targeted towards children i don't like it and i don't and meta is just so i i feel like they're trying to like change their image but they're just kind of shady and so i feel like like you said they're kind of like trying to sneakily get into the kid market with these things so okay yeah i remember being i remember being a kid and they literally had you watch spider-man there was every single commercial break was a spider-man toy Mm -hmm. and i think they got huge trouble about that because they don't do that at all anymore for TV, but now we're seeing, okay, here's a new revenue or a new avenue to market these kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you nailed it right there is that, you know, when you have a headset that is advertised as 13 plus, if you mention on Facebook anywhere, oh, my 10 year old's playing VR, you get like a million angry comments. No, they can't. No, they can't. They're not 13. <laughs> and, you know, to see kids that are not 13 and ads, and there's tons of games that are clearly not for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's clearly designed for an eight-year-old to play this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just gets really confusing, and I think that they could be they could get themselves in lawsuits or in big trouble about this, especially with the amount of data collection that they do on those headsets. Right? Yeah, but you know, I, I don't think the Zuck cares too much about the lawsuits. He's been through it before. <laughs> yeah, he's immune to it now. <laughs> Uh, so we got another another news piece here, and this is from uh, the Vive XR, that the headset that's kind of like Vive's Quest Pro, and they're saying it's going to be eleven hundred dollars, swappable battery pack, swappable rear end that changes the headset from instead of having this weight on the back, because it's got some sort of side glasses thing, so you can be laying down or sitting in a comfy chair at the right angle and still fully enjoy things, uh, watching things through your phone. Uh, it says battery pack with a cable. So full color pass through inside out tracking with IR tracked controllers, depth sensor on the headset. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this headset before. I think it has a market for people that are huge into PC VR. And admittedly, when I read this information about, okay, we can take the back of the headset off, like back of the battery bank thing, have it sideways and then like run a cord down to the battery or to our phone, whatever uh, it, it, you know, it says to me, Okay, they've they've decided who their market is, and their market is the the guys that are super into VR, super into PC VR specifically, that just want a premium headset that is comfy to wear and does the things they want. And maybe they don't care so much that it costs eleven hundred dollars. They they have the money, you know, they got a great job, they got whatever, they got all the tech things. Another headset, you know, they they can afford it. But uh, I think that is it's really cool that they're innovating ideas and letting you, you know, take the back off and still be able to lie down. Because that's one thing I saw. We've got this light headset, but we still have this huge thing on the back. That doesn't tell me I can 
you know, comfortably relax in a chair with this thing. But now they clearly thought about it. And it's kind of cool, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we actually watched a MKBHD video that talked a little bit about the Vive XR. And it looks really cool. It's funny because I feel like it looks kind of similar to the Quest Pro. But I... I think it actually looks cooler. Like the way they have the front is kind of like mirror-ish. It's like shiny. I don't know, like aviator sunglasses, but not aviators, you know, shiny like that. <laughs> and it just looks cool and sleek and comfy. And it, yeah, I, I think it looks really cool. Jay, did you, were you able to check this out at CES? Or I know there was a lot that you looked at. Unfortunately, they were there, but they weren't in any of the main showrooms. They were off at another hotel. Only privately booked events could go test out the Vive XR. So I didn't get to get in and try it. I didn't try the hard. I was so worn out by day two. I was like, you know, if I really fought, I could probably get over there and test this thing. But it's a it's a heavy convention. You do a lot. But yeah, we've gotten tons of details. And this is basically the headset for everyone, not the price, but the actual headset. Yeah. You can use it like not a Quest. Price. Yeah, you can use it like a Quest. It's got the XR2 chip. You can play wirelessly with the battery pack on. You can swap it over. Basically, it becomes a Vive Flow. It's like these little sunglass ear tips that are just like sunglasses on. So you can sit there on your phone and watch a show or play a simpler game. Or you strap it up to your PC and it's designed in a way that looks like it's meant to be able to also do PC VR. Unlike the Quest, it feels more like an afterthought when you do it. You couple that with the fact that now you don't need glasses with this thing. It's got a huge diopter mm, adjustment. That's really IPD. cool. They've crammed like every feature into an $1,100 headset. And it feels like this could be HTC's return to the mainstream. You know, the Vive itself was expensive, the original Vive. And this thing is also expensive, but it's not quite out of an enthusiast price range. Yeah, I would say 1500 bucks is out of an enthusiast, but 1100 people buy a Valve Index for a thousand. That's only a hundred more. It's just a little, little bit of a reach, but you get all the wireless game. You get everything. So I think yeah, it, it's full, it, full standalone. Yeah, you get everything with this headset for that price. That's a pretty good price. So I think as long as we find out the tracking is good, it gets good support from developers. I think this could actually bring HTC back into the limelight a little bit with VR. They've been out for a while. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like too, the, <sighs> this used to be like the thousand dollar price point was like, that's ridiculous. Like no one like is going to be super duper enthusiast people only. But I feel like with all the, I don't know, it doesn't seem as bad now that like the quest two price has increased. And I guess the price of everything is going up, which yeah. also means you have less disposable income though. But you know, like, I feel like the price point doesn't seem as shocking or huge as it would have seemed years ago, which is kind of funny because you would think like the price of things would be less. But yeah, it's it's definitely much less than the Quest Pro. So that probably helps it look a little more enticing. And it also seems like it's not so like, this is just for businesses, blah, blah, blah. So seems a little bit more accessible, I guess. Although again, $1,100 is not like inaccessible, like, woohoo, we're all gonna buy this. But anyway, it, it seems like <laughs> there's gonna be a little bit more competitive stuff out there. And it's not gonna be like, just meta that has anything that people might want. So that is nice to see that there's more stuff coming through the pike right now. The market's opened back up. We got actual competition for Meta again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. Well, all it took was Meta uh, losing tons and tons of money and having to price their headset <laughs> more near cost than because I thought the Quest Pro, I really thought they'd find a way to make that thing like 900 and they'd subsidize it down to that price. And if they had, this Vive XR would probably be dead in the water if it had been that cheap. But now that it's 1500, this becomes the logical choice. So it's it's finally getting back to the competition we all need. We got games to talk about. We got to tell you one last time, go to hysterianproducts.com if you haven't yet and checked them out. Code FULLDIVE is going to save you $5 off any order, $19.99 or more. And they've got VR headset stands that look gorgeous. They've got headphone stands if you want to have your headphones on something nice. They've got some mats, although they've been selling so well, there might be some changes coming, something new there too. So they're kind of on the cusp of like a bunch of new stuff coming. So maybe keep an eye on them. And I did promise earlier we're going to talk about PSVR 2, but first, Lip has been playing some Little Cities. So Little Cities, I know there's another, there's other, another Cities Skyline or something, which is a more complicated one, but Little Cities VR is like the perfect kind of jump in, have a fun, casual experience, city building game. The majority of the thing is you essentially have your houses, your workplaces, and then your shopping places, and they they're literally three different colors, green, blue, and yellow. And that is 90% of the things you're building. And then there's like specialty things like, okay, we got Wi-Fi, we got to get water, we got to get fire department, the police, you know, a school. And it is just this extremely simplified city building game that I, you know, I, I'm uh, going into these kind of games, you get a little bit overwhelmed with VR being like, well, how many things do I have to play with? How many things do I have to like mess around with? And, and sometimes you're like, you know, these kind of like isometric games that you're sitting there staring at a city. You almost feel like this is the kind of thing, you know, civilizations or something that you don't even want to play in VR because it's just it's so much just looking at things. But this game makes it the perfect balance of simple while at the same time just being extremely addictive. The, the graphics aren't the best thing ever, but they look perfectly fine. It's literally I think it's a husband and wife team. Oh, that wow. made this game and i, I just uh, there's so much charm so much fun i i didn't i was i didn't even record i just i was just you know i got the code for this game and i was like let's let's check this one out let's see what this one's about i expected to play for 20 minutes and here i am beating everything possible in the game and i'm like oh i, I think i just beat the entire game <laughs> and uh you know that's that's a good feeling when you you know you don't know that you're gonna get as into something as you do and you know this one pulled me right in i think if you are new to VR, you just got a VR headset. This is honestly one of the best games you could possibly get just because you're not you're not walking around first person. You're just looking at this city you're building. Nothing's overly complicated to the point you're going to get confused, but it's not too simple to the point where you don't feel like you're doing anything. Mm -hmm. Menu systems all work. It's it's and it even has hand tracking on the uh, on the quest, too. Oh, wow. So if you're if you don't even want to mess with controllers, you can totally just use your hands and it's simple enough that it works to me. Like, I like the idea of sim games where, you know, you're running a city or you're building a roller coaster park or something, but a lot of them are too involved for the time I want to put in. I don't want to be building every little sewer pipe to every house in a city. You know, I yeah. want to get in. I want to build a successful city. I want to have fun doing it and get out maybe in an hour or two. You know, I'm not looking for something terribly involved. So the other cities game, which looks very good and very involved. This sounds like a nice little foray into it to see if it's really something I want to do. 
do because I enjoyed SimCity back in the day. But even then, I mean, I think it took me a few attempts. I was really young then, but it took me a few attempts to figure out how to actually get people to populate the city. I'd like build all the buildings and then be like, why is there no people in my city? Well, I hadn't built the sewage system I needed or something to actually get people there. So I'm still very interested in this. Was there, what do you think like overall playtime? Is this something you're going to want to come back to again? Or is it like a one and done kind of game for you? I, I think, I think it's for me, uh, I was probably, I'm probably not going to spend too, too much more time in it, but, uh, I know that there is, there's, there's a, when you get to the end of building your city, there's all these like more cosmetic types of things you can design. So if you're into making it look really cool, you know, I, I think you can optimize everything and you could probably get, you know, four hours of game out of this. And there is a DLC pack for like a snow thing. So you can do like a whole other like the game just doubles. And now there's basically the sequel in the game. and It's got all these different things you can build. So I think that, you know, there's there's a lot here to play. But ultimately, you know, it's, you nailed it. It's the simplicity of this city building type of game that anyone can get into this. Anyone can have fun with this. And it doesn't it never punishes you for not knowing what you're doing. It just rewards you for doing a better job. Ah, I like that. That sounds adorable and sweet. It's 20 bucks. It has a very high rating reviews on oculus quest so it does seem like a lot of people who tried it are very into it so i would say if you're out there and you've been on the fence about it this might be the time to get in and check it out i spent the time at ces last week and i got to be one of the few who actually booked a psvr2 demo because they made the system very hard to get in and book so i'm sure you out there have a lot of questions so i thought we'd go back and forth here and see lip what what are you thinking what's been on your mind about it what do you not know yet or what do you think the listeners want to know uh, so I've I've seen some pictures and things, but mm-hmm. I'm curious about the cord length mm-hmm. and I'm curious about how the cords actually connect to the system. Because I remember with PSVR one, that was one of the biggest things is you had to plug in like 50 billion things. You had cords plugging into the box to plug into this thing to plug into this thing. You had one of them goes to the TV, one of them goes to the PS4. It was, you know, it felt so much like the PSVR just was not planned when the PS4 came out. And it's like, you, I can't just plug, you know, it, why can't I just plug it into one thing? And it's like, you forget one thing on PSVR too. You got to have the micro USB plugged into it. This thing plugged into power, plugged into HDMI. And it was it was crazy how many things you had to plug in. Have they simplified that And for cord length? Is it the same length, a little bit longer, a little bit shorter? <laughs> now, I got to say, at this event, security was tight. The things they allowed you to do was little. And so some <laughs> of this, I will be speculating or telling you things that I've seen in other places. So first of all, we know that that it's supposed to be pretty simple. They're saying it's going to be a small USB-C, one cord plugs directly into the front of the PS5 and that USB-C port on the front, and you're good to play. Now, length of cord they've kept very tight. So all I can tell you is I had the cord running directly off the headset. I had it down my back so it wouldn't be in my way. It was on the ground running forward in front of me. It had one little loop there, and then it ran up the length of the cabinet in front of me. So I've got to guess it's 12 feet, maybe 15, because at no point was it ever like I was going to pull on the cable. It had tons of slack the whole time, but it didn't seem super long, although it went into a wooden cabinet. I couldn't see where it ended, couldn't see where it connected to the PS5. So it could have been longer in there. I'm guessing it's at least 12, maybe it's 15 educated guesses here. 
That said, it is still a cord. I was worried at times if I stood on it and then turned my head really hard, I could rip it out of the headset, which I also wasn't allowed to tug on the cord, but it looked like it was attached the same way the PS drives. It did not look like this was easily replaceable. It looks like it goes inside the headset. So you are going to have those risks. So for me, when I get mine that I pre-ordered, I'm going to be getting all my old standout that holds it up above me again. And I'm going to be using that again to keep this thing off the ground and out of my way. Back to the cable management. <sighs> Two steps forward, one step back. Now, what about you? How about a question? Yeah, I, I, so I was wondering, I watched your video about it, of course, but if you could talk about the tracking, because obviously mm -hmm. it's a lot better than PSVR 1, but it sounds like there were still some issues. So it's inside out tracking now. It's got four cameras on the actual headset. There's an infrared ring on the controller that is looking for to track that. That Those four cameras are also tracking the room around you for tracking. So it's just like the Quest 2 is tracking in that sense. Keep in mind here as I talk about this, I was at CES. This is the biggest tech convention, one of the biggest ones in the world. So there was probably a billion devices and I'm not even joking with that number, that we're all using Wi-Fi at the same time in this area. And so they said interference is possible. Tracking could be an issue because of that. So I did find a few times where what I would guess is interference, like I would be holding on to a cliff and then all of a sudden my controller would just jump 10 feet away from me. And I was holding onto the cliff still. So my headset was now 10 feet from my hands instead of holding right on. That happened a couple of times, which is most likely interference. But the tracking, if you're coming from PSVR 1, it's going to seem night and day. Tracking is going to seem incredible. It's going to seem like amazing. You're going to be really happy with it. If you were coming from like a Quest 2 or like a Valve Index, the tracking might seem a little less good. Again, I was at a convention. It might, it's probably going to be better at home than I experienced it. But I did find because they decided to put the tracking ring back around your wrist, almost like a wristwatch, it was easier to get it out of the room of the headset seeing it. Because normally when you have a Quest 2 controller up in front of your face, that ring is still out as far in front as it can be so you're still more likely to have it in view where now if my wrist is back under my chin because i'm holding a sniper rifle or i'm pulling the arrow on a bow it seemed like it was easier to get that out of range and then it wanted to drift around a little bit more it made it a little harder to play with the bow that i was using in horizon so of course we're not going to know for sure to get these in their home but i was looking for the issues you know as a reviewer i want to know what its limits are where everyone else a lot of other people who are playing this just raved and raved about how good it was and didn't find any flaws not everyone's looking for that either so keep in mind i can be a little more critical we had a question on the, the q a actually which we saved for the shave dog said those psvr2 controllers looked huge were they really that big and clunky i heard in your video that the head rumble wasn't always active how were the controller haptics wanted to know about that so first of all, I'll go real quick. The controllers look huge. You get them in your hands and they don't feel as huge as they look because you're holding on to most of it, just like a Quest 2. The only part that's really bigger is that wrist tracking ring that goes around your wrist. And it's big enough that I think even with a balled up fist, I could have fit my hand through it. So it's not a tiny ring. Although some people, if you have giant hands, you need that space to get into it. And I never really did find a problem with playing with a bow in Horizon. I didn't really like bang them together, but I tried to see like, okay, what if I was loading a clip on a pistol or something? That definitely feels like it would be easier to make these interact and hit each other. But overall, they're not so huge that I'm worried I'm going to smack myself in the face with them or anything. They're, they feel like they're around your hand, but they're not... It's not like holding two bowling balls or anything like that. You know, they're small enough that it just feels like you have maybe boxing gloves on or something instead of a controller. The controller haptics felt really good. They were like the adaptive haptics that you have in the DualSense controller with the PS5. And so that they felt nice. They were active. Weirdly, there was a little bit of a delay. Like if I smacked the boat, 
my hand would rumble because I'd hit something, but there was just like a half second of delay when I did it. Also could have been because of interference, but that was a little weird to me because I wanted it to be instant. But the headset haptics, what Shape Dog was referencing to, I found that sometimes they'd hit something gets near you and your head's shaking too. And you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. But other times the ground would be shaking really hard. Your hands are shaking and yet your head wasn't. The developers choose when to implement those haptics. So I felt like if there's going to be a learning curve for developers to decide like when should it vibrate and when should it not? Because it kind of seemed like it vibrated when you got hit in the head. But if the ground's shaking really hard, I would expect my hands to shake hard and my head to shake a little. So I wanted to see a bit more of that. This is not a question, but just just thinking about PSVR 2, I really am surprised that they didn't have Astrobot 2 as like the <laughs> exciting game that comes out when PSVR 2 comes out. And I really, really hope they announce that soon. Anyway. <laughs> or, or even port the one that's on PS4, PS5 already. Like give it, give it VR support day one. That would be something cool. Uh, I will say too, though, you know, Astrobot blew my mind, but I'm, you know, really curious how they upgrade some of these first gen PSVR games. And maybe that's what they go with. Maybe Astrobot 1 just gets on PSVR 2 and just looks just insane. And they give it some cool free new update that comes with a new world or something. They could definitely do that. I think Sony is taking a position here that I, I understand and respect what they're doing. They know that PSVR 1 was the most successful VR headset at the time, sold tons. Astrobot probably had really high sales numbers. And they know that people who played that are looking forward to at least finding out about PSVR 2 and maybe buying it. They probably went with Horizon because Horizon is a series that is huge among flat gamers. And they're trying to get those people now into VR. Where right. Astrobot 2, I really hope it happens and be amazing, but that's going to be for the VR. Not a lot of people who played Astro's Playroom on PS5 are going to go, oh my gosh, there's a VR version. I want that. But tons of people who love the Horizon series are going to be like, I have to have every Horizon game. And this one's in VR. So I got to go VR on. So I think their strategy is to get more of the people that aren't already sold on VR because they know yeah. if you love PSVR one, eventually you're probably going to try to get a PSVR two. Not at launch when it's crazy expensive. The PS5s are out of stock. But eventually, when you see one on a sale, you're probably going to get one if you had the first one. So, so mentioning the Horizon Call of the Mountain game, uh, I'm curious. This is kind of like a kind of blending, you know, going and talking about this game and talking about, you know, PSVR two in general. I've played Half-Life Alex on PC VR with my Quest 2. You know, my computer is not the greatest of all time computer, but it's, you know, it's more than capable to make that game look amazing. What did you think? Let's compare Half-Life Alex mm -hmm. on your computer on PC VR versus Horizon Call of the Mountain. Which one looked better graphic? Well, it's interesting too that you brought that up because I got to try Half-Life Alex on a Pimax Crystal, which is supposed to be like one of the best looking headsets ever at CES. And I've got to say, Horizon pulled me in more because it was developed by Sony. Sony knows exactly what they're doing. And where Half-Life Alex was a gorgeous and great looking game, every headset I tried on still had an LCD screen. It still didn't have the colors that truly popped. It didn't have the darkest blacks. Everything was gray. It still didn't give me that like, wow, this is real. Where like when I got in Horizon, I looked up at the sky and the sun was bright. Like I had to squint a little bit at the sun and the greens were luscious and popping. The environment was gorgeous. I think that was the most drawn in I've been in in VR in a very long time. And that's coming from someone who's never played Horizon. So I wasn't like fangirling over Horizon here by any means. It just looked gorgeous. But just like PSVR 1, I caution people on that because Astrobot on PSVR 1 
looked pretty freaking gorgeous. And I don't know how they pulled that off with the specs of the PSVR one when no one else could, you know, other games didn't look nearly that good. This is a first party title. They knew exactly how to push this headset in all the right ways. But it was like the environments when you're standing up and you look out into the distance, you see waterfalls out in the mountains. There's times in Horizon where you just want to like stand there and look, which also happened in Half-Life Alex. But I always felt like the headsets themselves were getting in the way a little bit. I wanted that perfect OLED with the perfect blacks and the really bright colors. And if I had Half-Life Alex on one of those headsets, these would probably be more comparable. But man, Horizon, it looked so good that it was like, okay, I do just want to enjoy the view here a little bit. Yay. That's exciting to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, def definitely excited because it sounds like, you know, if this is how PSVR 2 is going to start, who knows where we're going to get, you know, if we get something like Killzone and it looks just photorealistic, that would, you know, that would blow people's minds. They put on a headset and it looks just like real life, but it's, you know, one of their favorite PlayStation game franchises. That's, you know, it does at that point, who cares what it costs? You're going to get people to just need to have it. Yeah, one one thing that I will remind people, like the environments looked amazing. The big thing that we still struggle with, and this is flat gaming too, the faces of the people and their teeth still a little like, okay, that's not a real human. Like I, I instantly yeah. knew looking at one and they looked good, but you instantantly know, okay, I'm not, this isn't the real world anymore because the people don't look right. Yeah. And that's we're, we're not uncanny yet. No, <laughs> that's a struggle for all gaming in general. I mean, even the best PC games mm -hmm. on Unreal 5, the people still don't look completely real where yeah. we have made it to that yet but I, maybe oh, yeah. that's you remember, good. remember toy story one <laughs> toy story one the humans looked absolutely <laughs> so grotesque and that's like that was top tier back yeah. then so we've come a long way but we we're really not have. there yet yeah that's where sometimes the games that try to stay gamey a little bit more on that side almost are more convincing because when you try to put a real human in vr up next to your face you're reminded this is not a real human yeah, for yeah. Sure. We, uh, yeah, I do have a video out on the JBrat channel that went really in depth. So if you really want to hear more about the PSVR 2, I'd highly recommend going and checking that out. But what do we think? Maybe one more thing each, one more point we want to hit on before we close this out. Nat, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So the controllers with the thingy that go, the wrist thingy, how did that feel? Was it comfy? Was it awful? Did it seem, how was it? <laughs> so the way it works, it shouldn't be touching your wrist while you're playing. Okay. It floats around your wrist. So as long as you're holding onto your controllers, they're floating and they're not touching you. That said, I think a lot, even less people are going to use the wrist straps than before. Because now you have this ring where if you drop the controller out of your hand, like just dropped it straight towards the floor, that wrist ring would catch it on your wrist. If you're throwing a dart and you let go, it's going to fly across the room. But those things will actually stay around your wrist. So if you let go, it'll just fall onto your wrist. You don't really notice they're there as long as you're holding onto the controller. But I also wasn't playing a game where I had to turn my wrists really hard. You know, I was using a bow and I was moving and stuff and I didn't hit them on my wrists. But maybe the right person with really flexible wrists or big wrists, you might notice them smacking your wrists as you turn your hands. That could be a little distracting. I never had that happen though when I was playing it. So I do think the wrist rings are okay. They're not, they're not clunky. They're not in the way. They're not what we thought. But the biggest issue I'm worried about them is them being just out of view of the tracking cameras too often, depending on what kind of game you're playing. So so for me, I'd say that the 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 question I think everyone's wondering now, you've gotten to a little tease of PSVR 2. What are you looking forward to the most when you get this headset? Oh, there is, I'm, I'm excited about Horizon, but weirdly Switchback VR is like the spiritual successor to Until Dawn Rush of Blood. And that's a launch title. Until Dawn Rush of Blood was really cool. I am not only looking forward to playing that, but I'm just really looking forward to having that living room VR yeah. headset that's always ready to play. The TV always shows what's showing inside the headset without pairing it, without 
any issues. So when I have friends over, it's like, hey, let's play VR. Yeah. And I get them in this and it's instantly fun. Everyone's watching and laughing what's happening. Because with the Quest, I've lost so much of that, like yeah. the social side of like True. passing around a VR headset. Because every time yeah. you take it off and pass it, the Chromecast stops casting or something goes wrong. It's just not the same experience. I'm looking forward to having that cool living room headset again yes. that we play with friends. Ah. So true. Great answer. Can I ask one more little question? Yeah. Because I was like, oh, wait, I want to change my question to this. <laughs> the 360 audio, how was that? That's something I've been excited to hear about. Now, with PSVR 1, they patented their own binaural audio system. So the way that that worked back then was like if something out in the distance made a sound, your right ear might hear it a little bit sooner than your left. I'm talking milliseconds, but enough that it communicated to your brain. That is not only to my right, but it's at my two o'clock position. It's 30 yards away. Like I know exactly where that is. They have now they're they've called something the Tempest audio solution that they've made for the PSVR 2. Unfortunately, they didn't give me the regular earbuds that come with it. They gave me the Pulse hundred dollar set that kind of, that you can buy with Sony and put them on. With those on, the isolation from the outside world, it seemed like the audio was really good. Everything sounded nice directionally. You you knew where things were and what was going on. But unfortunately, until you try stock ones or other headsets, it's hard to really know how good it was. But I definitely feel like getting back into a PSVR two, it's like okay, here's here's that audio I was used to. Where with the Quest, you fight to get really good audio with it. For anyone that's watching the video <laughs> version my little cat ear just flopped down yeah flopped down it said that it was tired well if you want to hear more about the psvr2 there's obviously that video but you can also come join the discord if you want to ask specific questions that i didn't cover in any of these i'll give you the best answers i possibly can and you can just ask us any questions you want for the q a you've seen they're very serious about vr or they're very silly and just fun but we love answering them all and we've got a lot more to answer on the next episode you provide suggestions where the podcast goes and what we cover and if you're listening and you want to see matt's ear pop off come stop by youtube once in a while and see the videos i do add in trailers and footage to help you see even further what we're talking about to make it more interesting for you and vice versa if you're watching them all the time but you're like i keep missing episodes because i don't have time take us on your commute anywhere you want to go give us a rating or review over there too if you have time because we really appreciate that but we want to say thank you for coming and listening and when it comes to vr psvr 2 coming out maybe it's time to finally join on in